When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Pirates fans and welcome back to the Pirate Fan Forum here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. I'm your host Gary Morgan. With me as always is my good friend and co-host Jim Stam. Jim, today we're going to cover some pretty heavy topics on the show and much like spinach, the people might have to eat a work stoppage because it's good for them, not because it's appetizing. Are you excited, sir? I am supportive in whatever way fixes baseball, and so yes, I'm very excited. I hate to champion a a uh, lockout, but um, sign me up. And uh, to help us work through this stuff today, I've asked my good friend Craig Toth, my co-editor over at InsideTheBucksBasement.com and host of Bucks in the Basement podcast, to join us. Craig, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing good, guys. Thanks for having me back on. Yeah, not a not a problem, sir. And last but certainly not least, he is the co-host of Around the 412 podcast that drops every Monday at 2 right where you found this show. And he's someone I've really enjoyed getting to know recently. Smitty, thanks for joining us. How are you today? Fellas, the pleasure is all on this end of the camera. I tell everybody that follows us that tries to get like some pirate's knowledge from us, you're not going to find it here. <laughs> Go over to these guys. At Pirates Fan Forum, and that's where the Pirates talk is. I think that you guys do the best job covering the Pirates in the city. Best podcast about the Pirates in the city. <coughs> I appreciate you having me on. <laughs> <laughs> Craig begs to differ. I was combining the two shows there. We'll take a tie. All. That's cool. <laughs> but uh, I'm much like the Pirates. They should prefer a tie to what they usually do, too. So. I'll go ahead and accept the tie happily. But, hey, boys, I've pulled this group together, believe it or not, for something other than competing with the Inshurst for eye candy on YouTube. I think this is a great mix of people, some who are so immersed in the process we have a hard time catching a gulp of fresh air, and some who, you know, are at least looking down from a few thousand feet. Normally this time of year I'd be talking about all the things I see happening at the winter meetings, but – I mean, we can't ignore what's coming this game, likely. Uh, a stoppage is on the way. Jim, let's start with you here, brother. Is the winter meeting going to actually light a hot stove this year, or are we looking more for proposals to come out of them? Yeah, I think I think we're going to be dealing with a lot of um, – 
posturing uh, from both sides. I think that's all you're going to really be hearing about. I don't think you're going to see much action. I don't even know if they're going to uh, support anything going on other than just trying to get this deal done. So um, my biggest thing is this. Um, I don't want it to take too long because I like watching baseball. But at the same time, I, I want the Pirates to have a legitimate chance at competing every year. And it's tough to do it right now in, in this current economic system that they've got. So, yeah. look, man, I'm just at the point where, you know, look, I'm 46 years old. I, I'd like to see the Pirates doing some things before I get too old to even start remembering what's going on. So I, I'm, <laughs> I'm just I'm just ready. I'm just ready. If it takes a long time, it takes a long time um, because I, I, I don't like this current product. And I don't like being a fan that feels like I've almost got to suspend my belief, uh, my disbelief, just to see something positive happen or hope for something positive. I mean, totally in lockstep with all of that. And, and Craig, I'm going to go to you because, you know, normally this time of year, we're heading into the winter meetings. We start talking about, you know, trade possibilities and free agents they might be looking into and which agents are going with which players and vice versa. Now we're, we're really kind of in, in a standstill for a while. Right. And like Jim was just alluding to the, the number one comment we get is, I've been a fan since 1971, and I might never see another winning season before I die. I mean, how do you argue that at this point? It's time for this, right? Yeah, well, first thing I say is good for them because they actually saw one. Uh, Boom, I was, me too. I was, I was uh, <laughs> maybe about four months old. I got a picture on my dad's lap wearing wearing like a little Pirates onesie or something, so I don't remember any of that. So at least you got to see something. So I feel like, at least in my opinion, the guys that are in our age bracket have a little bit more of a beef than them. And and it's not to say that it's it shouldn't be coming, but that's that's my first reaction. And as far as uh, as far as Jim goes, the posturing has already started. The posturing oh, yeah. the posturing of giving the the MILB players. Um, housing to try to get them away from the table has already started. Uh, and that should have happened a long time ago. We all agree on that, but that's what this is. Giving them, them a raise, however minuscule it was, you know, prior to that was, was part of this posturing uh, to try to get them away from the table because that would create more issues than already exist. And just for anybody who's wondering, the winter meetings is a minor league process. It has nothing to do with the major leagues. That's the crazy part is that the GM meetings take place on November 9th, I believe, this year. That's the major league start of everything. The winter meetings are for minor league teams to pretty much honor like the, the stuff they've done throughout the year uh, right. to, to elect a owner – uh, or general manager of the year during that process. And it's also the time for young people to go out and try to get internships uh, for those organizations. So as much as I love the hot stove and everybody does, 
uh, the winter meetings will go on. It just won't be in the same fashion we've seen in previous right. years. And that's why I think we're going to see a lot of chatter come out of it. And, and Smitty, I'm going to throw it over to you. But the first thing I'm going to do is apologize that the first thing you're talking about on a baseball show is about shutting the damn game down. <laughs> I mean, normally, normally you're just setting up players on a tee for Tyler to blast into the sun. But I figured exactly. I figured today let's let's get you on here and start talking about a little bit of some of the issues coming up. The, the winter meetings are usually something we get to talk about, some trade fodder and whatnot. And, and Craig's right about everything he said, but it's still something that happens. It's the unofficial start of all of the BS that happens up until spring training. What do you think we're going to see this year? Um, well, I, I first just want to say this is why I appreciate this show so much is because I think as a common fan, like this is why this is a is a must listen, um, because I think like the optics of this aren't going to look good to the common fan. It's going to be like, you know, this 2020 shortened season where they're like, oh, it's just millionaires yeah. and billionaires fighting back and forth. Just play the game. Um, but, you know, when you listen to the show, when you find the information, when you hear it and see it, you realize like this is a necessary thing to have happen. And I don't think that otherwise fans would be realizing that. You know, if this information weren't being put out there. So I first off just wanted to, to start with that. But yeah, it's going to be a lull, I think, compared to most years. I have no idea, you know, what it's going to take to really kickstart the process. But uh, yeah, I'm definitely going to be sitting on the edge of my seat waiting for any action to get started. That's for sure. I, I mean, I can tell you already, I'm formulating top 10 lists that Craig and I are going to have to write to fill up time. <laughs> and we're going to have to do look backs on Willie Stargell. Maybe we'll find some cushion he sat on once and take a picture of it and talk about the What's definition the, of his the butt popular cheeks. thing. The popular thing to do is just create like Mount Rushmore's, right? So just put together yeah. a bunch of like Mount Rushmore lists of pirate stuff. <laughs> yes. They're, they're really fun to do because um, people very quickly realize that not a single one of them is in this century. <laughs> and and then we start getting those kind of blast backs. But I'll tell you what, I really like talking about a little bit of what this lockout is bringing. Um, so let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to jump into a little bit more of what we think fans can expect to see. back to the Pirates Fan Forum here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. Uh, we're going to continue our conversation a little bit. There's just so many topics that could come out of, of the lockout and what we could potentially see. I mean, ranging all the way from a salary cap system to a soft salary cap system to worse than we have right now, believe it or not. And, and Smitty, I think that's really the only thing that could happen that fans should really be worried about this game really could come back even worse. That's a very real possibility. Yeah. You know, I was going through a couple articles kind of talking about just this whole process that that's going to be happening here with these negotiations and just like the talking points from the two sides. Right. And you mentioned a couple of them, but also like the concerns with teams tanking. And I think pirate fans are like immediately, they're like sitting up right now. Like, Oh, did they just say tanking? Talk about the pirates. Uh, and you know, elimination of ARB and like free agents after they turn 29 and a half, um, as opposed to just six seasons of service time. Um, yeah. I, 
I really, I, I don't know where to start with this. The fact that you said it could come back even worse, just that frightens me. And I'm curious as to, as to what you mean by that, because that never even crossed my mind, to be honest with you. Like, I'm just sitting here thinking that there's no way that that's possible. But oh, I'll make it really simple for you. So, you know, it's possible. I'll make it really simple for you. Say they chop one year of arbitration off and do nothing else. It comes back that much worse, that much harder for teams like the Pirates to actually do what Ben Charrington's trying to do. One small change like that. Yeah, okay. Gotcha. And, now and, and way worse beyond that. You know, like say they say they don't decrease that salary threshold. Say they put in a floor and then MLB owners that actually legit couldn't reach it now are screwed because they didn't put any kind of revenue in. Baseball could mess this up really bad if they're not careful. And Jim, it's something we've talked about a lot. We talked a lot about this with Mike. It seems like a salary cap is is really the the way to go. It's what all the other leagues have done, even if it's a soft cap. Why is baseball so resistant to something that seems to be such a clear fix for the problems both sides have? You know, it, it, a lot of it to me comes down to I don't know that anybody wants to make the personal sacrifices that it might cost them to get that done. So it's always like looking at it almost like how politicians are, which is Uh you you make decisions. I know, right? Of all places, of all people, I'm going to mention politics. But it's very similar in the sense of you're only worried about yourself and the day and time and your your window uh, that you're in it. Um, especially from the player side. And I think even owners too, they don't want to go through all the losses, the financial instability. Um, They've already dealt with it with COVID. So I think it's a lot of, everyone looks at it like probably in the back of their mind. Yeah. You know, it'd be good for the game and it will help out people at some point, but how's it affect me right now? And I think (laughs) that's a problem and we and that's that 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 goes into a lot of areas in life where people just aren't willing to make the, the sacrifices that are necessary right now. Again, total sense, Craig. You and I both know that <sighs> that rebuilding in baseball, the way that, that that it's structured for building prospects up, is a necessary thing. You can call it tanking if you want, but every every several years a team generally needs to kind of retool a little bit, right? So how do you go out there and say you still have to spend $100 million, but you're going to move off veterans and replace them with, with youngsters? I mean, how do you how do you do that? Well, I think in like the natural process that the Pirates are going through to a degree right now, uh, even with you know the guys that we have let go at this point, it's not like they would have stayed with the Pirates forever. Or that you'd want them to. Or that you would want them to. I mean, so that's where kind of the the rub comes in is that, okay, a guy gets to so many years of arbitration and you have to let him go. Are you automatically just replacing him with someone who's near that level in arbitration as far as like ignoring talent level? It, it, it just, it completely boggles my mind as to how you would have 
what MLB proposed is like the $180 million cap uh, with the luxury tax with the $100 million floor. They're saying that those numbers would work out. Well, you had it at 210, which, you know, I feel like a lot of those teams that are nearing that would probably start to back away from it. I think so. And realizing that it, even if you went to 290 million or whatever, the Dodgers will, the number will end up being uh, still wasn't enough. Even you saw, you know, with, with bloom coming in with the Red Sox that they were looking to go even lower than they had to go before. So it's It's almost like banking on a team, the teams going above that and going well above that to, you know, pay for the teams that are well below it. And it's not just the pirates that are well below it. I mean, just look at the numbers. There's, there was how many teams, I think there was like seven to eight teams this year that were under what would, what would be the new floor. It's right around that number. So I don't know how you're thinking that like with that discrepancy that, that it would, it would ever go in that direction where you could have that much money left over on, the side of the $180 million teams to fund the other teams. And I mean, we all know that nothing could spend more. We all sure. know that there is that money within there, but I don't know how that equalizes the game to the, the degree that I, I know that MLB, you could say they're not trying to, but in, in spirit that they're trying to, I don't see how you could say that that's, equalizing the game with still that $80 million pay gap, which could end up being a $110 million pay gap by the end of the year where a team, you know, starts to spend over that. That still doesn't like, it still doesn't take care of the problem. I think putting a salary floor in of some sort is kind of a good idea, but I'm not sure that I would just say a hundred million and call it a day. I think what I would do is, is, and Smitty, I'll let you speak to this. I think I would probably take like whatever the revenue sharing figure really is and like that each team receives. And I'd say that's the floor. You have to at least spend what you're getting back from, from the league to help you compete. Um, and if you don't at least do that, then yeah, you're not meeting the threshold, right? Because to me, I'm not going to sit here and and tell Tampa Bay they can't bring Wander Franco up because he's too cheap, but you're going to screw up the payroll. That doesn't make any sense either for the young players. So you have to have a little bit of a balance there, right? I mean, you can't just shut it off. And baseball just isn't built that way. It's built on on young players coming up, earning their way, making money eventually. How do you change that? I don't, well, you know what? I, the, what you just said never crossed my mind as far as like that being the floor, but that's not a bad idea. Send that to the commissioner. Did that? Yeah, the only problem is the commissioner would have to tell everybody what what they're actually making. <clears throat> that, that's True. an issue but right there. I wanted I wanted to bring up while we were talking about this because I'm sure it's been something that's discussed. You know, as again, like coming from a common fans perspective a question about like if there was a cap and the argument against the cap is you know you're putting more money in the owner's pockets when you cap what the players can make what is you know the response to that from your guys's perspective i mean from my perspective there's absolutely no way you could institute a salary cap system without open books that so 
right away everybody right away everybody would know exactly what kind of money's on the table and from there you give the players a real percentage of that revenue that's something you can't do right now that 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 is really some of the biggest one of the biggest issues with this whole thing is is you know these these owners they just don't want to give you a clear picture of what's going on what kind of money they're making uh, look look at a team like the Pirates and they talk about the money they get and they reinvest it into the minor league system and but but okay great uh, you you may see some uh, evidence of that but we don't know any of the numbers we don't know really what they're doing with that money so it's just these despite Ethan's are- best efforts no you're right we don't <laughs> get get the, get the Greensboro Grasshopper some some stinking equipment to broadcast their games if that's what it means oh man (laughs) you know so it just it really just comes down to uh, you know these owners um and this is throughout the game's history they just don't want people in their business and they don't want people nosing around with what they make and the finances of the game and how they spend their money and the reason for that is they're making a lot of money and they don't want to have to answer how they spend it that's true. And, and there's there's really hard, no denying that there's certain teams that are making more money. We talked again with Mike about when this all started. It was when the Yankees signed that big TV deal back in the early 90s. And, and everybody knew what was going to become of this game. Everybody knew that was the sign that things were changing. The Yankees were going to be able now to outspend everybody else if they wanted to with, at that time, 50 million was like limitless funds. <laughs> now, not so much, right? But but that's when it all started. LA is in the same boat. They've got way more money than everybody else, and they can spend it as freely as they like. And this luxury tax is nothing to them. MLB instituting a luxury tax that would be about, I believe, $35 million less than it is right now, and stiffening the penalties is not going to be a funding mechanism to help the other teams get up to $100 million because more teams will just shy away from it. That's like when you sit there, and again, I hate bringing it back to politics, but I, I'm sorry, I have to. That's like saying I'm going to raise taxes on this small sect of people and expect them to be stupid enough to keep doing the same things they were doing. Mm-hmm. They're going to find new ways to hide the money. That's all there is to it. It, it, It's not going to fund that that floor, if you will. It's just going to make poor teams more poor. And it's not going to change certain other things. Like the Red Sox this year, when people start talking about the payroll, they're going to completely ignore that they paid Chris Sale all year to stink in the playoffs and do nothing else. Right? They can afford that. The Pirates can't afford that. The Pirates couldn't afford a Trevor Bauer to go off and and do whatever he did in a hotel room and just be okay and move on to the next pitcher. Turns out the Dodgers couldn't either. But the Dodgers aren't going to cry poor next year because of it. That's the difference. You can't put that kind of money out there without fear. Yeah, I I think too, like – you know, um, I definitely know Gary and Craig. You guys are 
old enough and Smitty, I'm almost afraid to ask how old you are because you're going to make me feel uh, even older. I am. Uh, I'm 26, but with okay. my uh, recent knee issues, I feel about 76. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh well, well, good, I guess. Uh, but no, um, we we remember that work stoppage in in '94, yeah. um, and it it sucked. I mean, and and that happened, I think, in mid season or or past mid season. And, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, there were some things going on in baseball that were awesome that year and man, the game just stopped it. This is going, if this drags on, make no mistake, it's going to suck. Hopefully something good comes out of it, but man, it, it hurt. I just remember it, it hurt back then and, um, it's going to hurt this time, but, uh, I'm okay with it. And then, I mean, one last topic on on this, because I don't want this whole show to be depressing. So we're going to move on to actually talking about players next. But before we do, there's something really important that we're going to touch on. It's the 40 man, right? It's very important to remember that if there is a lockout, all the prospects aren't going to get to keep playing. The 40 man guys don't. (laughs) The 40 man guys are part of the union. So when they set this 40-man roster, you can't picture O'Neill Cruz learning something down in AAA. You don't get to sit there and think about Castro down there learning how to play second base better. Or Piguero figuring out his shortstop if he if he makes the 40. It's a great that's, point. That's Gary. going to to really change some things, I think. Because it's going to change some opinions from Pirate fans, I'll tell you that much. Because I'd like to think that all these guys I expect to come up are going to be able to like train while this is going on. And then we'll hit the ground running when we start playing again. But realistically, Kamen Smith the Jigba is not going to be playing. Cal Mitchell is not going to be playing. Mason Martin might not be playing. <laughs> so who's actually playing are the guys that you left off. That's kind of not as cool as you'd like to think it is. That's uh, that's that's baseball in a nutshell, completely backwards of how you'd like to have it, and that's exactly what would happen. And you know, baseball is a game where, look, I mean, th- these guys need to play. I mean, they need reps, they need swings, they need at bats, they need innings pitch. I mean, it's the only way to develop. Um, you know, in, in baseball, um, more so I think than maybe any other sport. So when you're talking about just months of guys sitting around and just, you know, uh, doing what they can in the batting cages, um, or just throwing on the side, boy, I'll, I'll tell you what, it would really, really hurt a lot of teams, but especially the pirates. That's a great point, Gary. So Gary, I hope this is the only time that ever tell you this, but you just ruined my day. (laughs) (laughs) stay tuned (laughs) oh yeah it might it might get a little bit better because we're definitely going to touch on some of these blast people into the sun topics that you usually like to cover so there we go let's let's go ahead and take a quick break we'll come back we're going to touch on the 40 man and arbitration
All right, we're back to the Pirates Fan Forum here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network, and we've got Smitty and Craig and Jim with us. And we've, we just kind of got done talking about some pretty depressing topics, you know, which is the shutdown of baseball and, and some of the things that could spawn. But the business of baseball still continues to go on. And um, reality is they're still going to have to hit some of these deadlines and still make some of these decisions. And the first one that I think is, is really important, probably important even to the formation of the 40-man, is the arbitration. Um, you got to figure out who you're keeping before you can start really formulating that list. And this isn't new. This stuff's been out for a while, and we've probably talked about a lot of them before. But I figured let's just go through the list, and instead of saying let's blast them into the sun, let's actually talk a little bit about why we think the Pirates will or won't keep them, should or shouldn't. They're two different things, okay? What we think the Pirates will do and what we think they should do don't have to line up. In fact, if they do, I'd probably worry about the sanity of everyone on this podcast. So let's let's start with uh, let's start with Jim here. Um, Jason Shreve. Hmm. 2.3 million dollars to me this is a no-brainer yeah you know i think so um his numbers i think his his uh numbers on the surface look pretty good there there were some underlying things that would concern you a little bit um but two 2.5 million for a lefty gets got some guys out i don't have an issue with it i think you need lefties in your pen um, seems like a lot of teams get away from it for whatever reason these days, but I don't have an issue with it. Not the Braves. No? I think the Braves have seven in their pen right now, which is yeah. nuts. Yeah, but what, is that, what does that organization know about anything? They know enough <laughs> that Richard Rodriguez sucked too much to put him on the postseason roster. I'll tell you that much. Smitty, how about you? Chase and Shreve. Um, I also have him. So when I was going through this, I put a check or an X next to everybody. He got a check from me, uh, made the biggest reason, honestly, left-handed, to be honest with you. I mean, Jim mentioned the the underlying numbers. There is some stuff there for concern. Uh, but I think at the very least you have a trade chip at the deadline. So yeah, I'm bringing him back at 2.3. Right. And it's nice to hear that somebody's passing checks out around the pirates. <laughs> I'm happy about that. Um, Craig, what do you think? I mean, Chase and Shreve, that's pretty much a no brainer, right? Yeah, I mean everybody's seen what what I've written, probably what I've talked about. Jason Shreve to me is 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 an it's it may seem like a a decent amount of money for a guy that you know we got for nothing, but uh, his his performance this year he was put in some tough spots. I actually looked back on this, and um, for some reason. Shelton decided to bring him in and, and a lot of places where guys were on base and he actually got the result that Shelton wanted, which was a ground ball, but because of the amazing shift, shift, (laughs) um, a ball trickled through. And so I I had a whole big thing and I, I probably wrote way too much down about it on my like notepad or stuff, but yeah, I mean, if, if he's using the right situation, uh, the numbers stand for themselves. Uh, the underlying stuff I feel is possibly just a product of a 2021 season where you didn't have a lot of options in the bullpen. Yeah. And, and you know, he had to put him in some bad situations because he couldn't give Nick Mears all of them. 
So somebody had to take some of those bad spots, <laughs> a of, right? A lot of a lot of bad situations to come into on the Pirates, unfortunately. Well, that's true. But uh, okay, let's move on because uh, here, here's one that I think is going to be a little controversial. Chad Cool. No, nope, not gonna, controversial gonna, for me. I'm going to intentionally hold back mine, and apparently Jim's ready to go. So Jim, go <laughs> ahead. What do you What do you think about Mr. Cool? Um. I'm ready to give Mr. Cool an opportunity to um, find himself somewhere else. Um, I, for me, I think we've seen. Yeah, I didn't even say three million. So three yeah. million. Yeah. Um, if if the plan was to 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 keep him in the bullpen next year, or if they start him, I, I, I'm just I'm just at the point where I think he's 28. They've tried everything with him. I know he's had some health issues. Um, and, you know, on top of all this, I'm just going to start looking at guys and their ages and say, you know, if we've got someone else we want to protect or um, bring yeah. in, I- I'm erring on that, that side that side of the fence now. Um, I just feel like how many times can we give Chad Cool an opportunity to, oh, well, it looks like he's starting to find it. There's there's that Chad Cool we thought might be in there, and then all of a sudden goes back to it. So, so let it, me before I toss it to, to Craig, let me just play devil's advocate here with Chad Cool because I, I think I'm in agreement with you. I'd probably move on from him as well. But let me just play devil's advocate before I toss it over. I think Chad Cool is very similar to somebody that they would try to sign a $3 million reclamation project that was held back by injuries and you probably think is going to find his way and do something for you and maybe get moved at the deadline. Sounds an awful lot like a pitcher the Pirates would sign. A pitcher that they will sign this year, one way or another. So do you go for the devil you know or the devil you don't? I mean, I would rather have an opportunity to work with someone new, see what I could pull out of them. Okay. Um, that's, that, that's just that's just me. I I think think they've seen it through as much as they can with the guy. If he goes somewhere else, figures it out, or really becomes a piece, I, I don't see how you can you can sit there and lament the decision. Well, that's because you're not going to have to read those comments every day, Craig. I mean, <laughs> how do you feel about Mr. Cole? I, I think Chad Cool for me is it all depends uh, when Jim's talking about the role. It's the role that they have for him. If they want to bring him back as a starter, I actually have no issue with it. If they want to stick him in the bullpen, I have a major issue with it. Th- that, that's really – I almost said that, Craig. Yeah, that's that, that was – I, I, I yeah. veered off of it. I'll let you get to that part. But, yeah, I agree. All yeah, right, Smitty, so, we – Smitty, we know what Tyler would do with Chad Cole. I, I know that. I've we, heard him well, say. I would do the same thing as Tyler. I actually had exactly what was just said, though. I, I have a red X next, next to him, but it was if they were going to try to bring him back as a reliever. I actually don't mind the idea of bringing him back as a starter or letting him compete for a spot, I should say. Okay. See, I would say, like, first of all, we should always remember these arbitration numbers that we're reading. These are suggested. Okay, these right. are like uh, manufacturers' suggested retail price. This doesn't necessarily mean that's what they'll pay. So, 
let's, you know, Chats Cole's interesting because, like, let's say they did want to bring him back as a bullpen arm. Maybe in arbitration they can get away with $2 million. You know, maybe maybe there's a, Still a, a lower much. starting point. It's <laughs> I, I understand that that feeling, and I, again, I'm just playing devil's advocate here. Maybe I there's know. there's a way that it works. Like, let's move on to Ben Gamble. You know, uh, Dayan Kovacevic's favorite player. I'm pretty sure he's going to be be retained. I, I think they'd be foolish not to. Um, much like Chad Cool, though. Really, this is just because this is on your shopping list anyway. And if you get rid of him. You better find another. And they sure didn't last year. So, Smitty, I'll let you start this time. Ben Gamble. Yeah, I'm bringing him back. This was uh, one of the bright spots, I think, especially when you consider that he was just a waiver claim uh, for him to come in. I think ideally, you know, he's like a fourth outfielder, but obviously with next year still being what next year's team is going to be, he's going to play a lot more than that. But uh, with a suggested figure of $2.9 million, so in that ballpark, yeah, I'm bringing Ben Gamble back. I mean, they are super interested in bringing Yoshi back, as we've heard multiple times, and and even again today. So, so Craig Ben Gamble. I mean, again, I think no brainer, right? Um, I think it's a no brainer. There's a little uh, bit of hesitancy there. There was, but, but, <laughs> but as I've looked at this more, we I feel as Pirates fans have let like two or three catches that were absolutely amazing like kind of encapsulate us in this thing of that, that Ben Gamble is, yeah, he was better than Anthony Alford for the first half of the year. He was better than Dustin Fowler. He was better than Kai I Tom. What kind of standard was that? Um, <laughs> do I still want to bring him back? A low one. Yeah, possibly. But, but Ben Gamble, when I was looking at his, his defensive numbers, he was actually one of the like, worst like left fielders I, I'd have I was actually trying to find it right now but I I do remember seeing this that like his outs above average was so low his defensive run saved was very low his war on baseball reference was negative 0.3 so he's right around a replacement level player or below right. so I mean to me I think it is more of the veteran presence that is keeping him in there and to not, you know, think that Ben Gamble was, you know, better than he was. He he was a decent hitter. He played a solid outfield. And, you know, you know what you're getting. But I, I just wanted to put it out there. Oh, that yeah. I, I feel like people that people maybe put Ben Gamble on like maybe like this too high of a pedestal because of what came before him. That, and that's a fair point, really, because. I, I do think, you know, when you're fishing in a sewer, if you find a fish that only has one head, you get kind of excited. <laughs> I I think Ben Gamble is – first, you know, I liked him before last season. He was Absolutely. somebody I actually wanted them to go out and get. Um, now, I was envisioning him as a fourth outfielder when, when I wanted him. So, ideally, I think that's a great role for him. I, and I'd, I'd love him as a clubhouse guy. But $2.9 is – Two point nine million. I mean, Jim, what do you think? I think, um, yeah, um, Craig really touched on some good points. First of all, I think you know, uh, the fans like him, um, and so that I think has given him a little bit of uh, leeway with some of the things he he perhaps maybe doesn't do well. But you know, looking at him as like a third, fourth outfielder, especially going into next year, 
Gary, you mentioned about the vet- veteran presence. Dude, dude's always going to go out and give you 100%. I mean, he he will he will run through a a, a wall to uh, you know compete. So um, I don't have a problem with it. I, I I like him. I like his style. I like his effort. I think um, they're still going to need a guy like him next year. That in the outfield, there's not really going to be a lot of the answers that we're hoping for. So I'm fine with it. Yeah. Sometimes just, I just, think just the- to let you guys know, I didn't want to interrupt too much, but outs above average, Ben Gamble. Negative nine. Just to not let you great. know. Not great. It's certainly not <laughs> reflective of what we probably remember realistically. But, you know, I, I think sometimes you can view these through a prism of, yeah, I've watched that player. He stinks. Okay. That's one way to look at this. Another way to look at look at this list is realistically, what is the expectation that the Pirates are going to bring in somebody better than Ben Gamble for yep. that money? I don't see it. So to me, yeah, he's a no-brainer. Um, and I, I hear everything you said, Craig. Oh, no, they're signing and him, I and I want uh, them to sign him. I just wanted the little devil's advocate piece in there. I also don't think they'll pay him $2.9 million, So, <laughs> But uh, regardless, um, Ben Gamble is, to me, somebody that's coming back. And then uh, let's move on to Colin Moran because here's the funny thing. Colin Moran's hitting numbers aren't all that dissimilar from Mr. Gamble, if you really think about it. We think of Colin Moran as, a, as some big power hitter, but I don't know. He, he really didn't show it too much. In fact, I started seeing a little bit of a Judy hitter, um, especially when he came back and maybe he had messed up hands. But $4 million for Colin Moran, and I'll be the first to sit here and tell you, they don't have another option at first base. So to me – you got to bring him back. And he's got two years of control. I, I just don't see any way around it. This, to me, is maybe not money you want to spend, but money you have to spend. Jim, I'll start with you. Yeah, I think I think you're right, Gary. I mean, I'd love to be in a better position with the Pirates to sit here and say, let's do something else and let's get somebody else in there or let's get uh, Yoshi, a first baseman's mitt. And just let him get his, take his uh, lumps at first base. But it just where else are you gonna? What where else are we going for that position right now? So unless something happens over the winter meetings that may never even occur, um, but still likely, you know, will they could move him? But I don't know what you're gonna get back for him other than some like. You're not going to get anything more, you know, in a major league ready type. You'd be getting more prospects maybe and not no, even you're, great you're ones. You're selling somebody the same potential yeah. you hope he has. Yeah. I mean, so as far, I think as Yoshi, as far as Yoshi goes, I mean, he looked like a toddler with a sand shovel over there trying to scoop balls. I didn't say it was a good option. I mean, he did make some decent throws to second, which I'll be honest, only Pirates fans could be impressed by. We, sit, we watch a first baseman throw to second, and we are all like, oh, my God. I mean, because we just got through Pedro Alvarez and Josh Bell, and like it, it seemed like a skill set that was just so evasive in this league. But clearly it's something that can be handled. So, Schmitty, what do you think? We're, 
call him Moran. I mean, what do you, does he come back or do you fire him off? <clears throat> I have him coming back. Um, yeah, I mean, you guys kind of touched on everything that I would have said. Uh, you know, even at that four million projected number, there's not another option. You know, below him, maybe if Mason Martin didn't strike out at the rate that he does, he could hit anything besides a fastball. Or if Yoshi knew how to play defense, we'd have some other options there. I don't know, but yeah, I have uh, Colin Moran coming back. It's just such a shame. Like 2020 shortened season, 2021 injury riddled for Moran. You know, what's he even coming into next season as? I have no idea what the expectations should be for him. Yeah, right. I mean, Craig, Colin Moran, he's your favorite guy, I'm pretty sure, right? <laughs> Actually, I like Colin Moran a lot, and I, I I don't know why he has a soft spot. Maybe because he just he's one of those guys that, for the most part, doesn't smile too much and just does his job and plays it's the, the game. Beard. And, it's the beard, man. He's you in five years. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that, that, that could be it. Uh, but like you guys said, it. I think this one boils down to like the lack of options. And I even looked like on 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 spot track at times to see like the free agent market for first baseman. And it's, it's not just pretty. it's just not pretty. It's just it's not within the Pirates. I mean, so, it's pretty. It's just not pretty for where the Pirates yeah. are going to shop. Yeah. So I Hello, mean, if, Freddie Freeman. Yeah. Yeah. Right. If, <laughs> if you, oh man, I love Freddie Freeman. But if you could put that number, you know. A little bit lower than that four million, which is like the estimate. If we could go down to maybe like three point five, it it looks a little bit better. And to just see, uh, like like Schmitty said, is is we could see him in an actual full season after what we saw in twenty twenty offensively. It, it would be nice to see that. I just think they bring him back mostly because of lack of options. Let me just I, let I me let right. me throw one more thing in there about Moran. Is I will give him some credit. I haven't looked at any numbers and I'm just going off of, you know, me, me watching him. He played a decent first base. I mean, I oh, think yeah. he really, he really came along over the first base is kind of my, my thing. Um, so I, I, I'll give him a lot of credit that he really, uh, he almost even maybe a little surprised me. We ought to be just extra nice to Graves here and give Joey Corris some credit for that too. <laughs> you, know she, you know, she wants to hear it. So, hey, we need to fly through one here. So, Brian Reynolds, everybody cool? I think so. Four and a half million. 4.5, let's get him. Yeah. I, I personally hope he never sees arbitration, but, you know, I think it's likely that he will. Um, Jacob Stallings, again, I think that's going to be super easy. 2.6 million, zero chance that you would even mess with him. In fact, I would just go ahead and offer him three and just say, hey, you beat yourself up. We, we care. Something like that. Yep. Um, now here's here's a questionable one for me. Stephen Brault. Stephen Brault to me, man, I'll tell you what. I've always liked his game when he could stay on the mound. I just can't trust him to stay on the mound enough to to pay the man two point two million dollars. It's not about the money. I don't care. I know we have room in the payroll, but what if he sings you a siren song? <laughs> nah, dude. What if he sings not. the intro for this show? Oh man, then I would definitely cut him. But, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's to me. It's just it's about. It's not about the the, the overall figures. Even when we were talking about like paying Colin Moran a little less. That's more for his trade value. I don't care what the Pirates pay him. I don't care if the Pirates paid him $20 million next year. It's it's like trading him. You need that value to be in the right place. So if you pay Stephen Brault $2.2 million, he's got to be worth 
a little over a mil come time to trade him if that's what you want to do. I don't trust him enough to pitch enough to still be worth a million dollars. For me, I'm moving on from Stephen Brault. I'm getting myself another veteran. Yeah, again, I'll come back down to um, a lot of the decisions. Uh, when I'm thinking of these things is you're, you're talking about who you want to keep, who you want to protect, all these things. I'm just going to start erring on the side of caution and protecting um, guys that we have in the system where there's still some upside. And that's where that's where I'm going to start letting things, you know, lay. Yeah, I mean, Smitty, I'd rather see Stephen Jennings than Stephen Brock next year. <laughs> I do not have them. I do not have Stephen Brock coming back either. Uh, you know, another guy, as I mentioned with Moran, injury riddled 2021. Same case for him, so who knows? I, I was kind of surprised to see him at all last year. I kind of thought he'd be somebody that was traded the prior offseason. Um, so to see him come back at all last year was kind of a surprise to me, but I don't have him coming back on next year's roster. Yeah, I mean, Craig, the plan probably was to try to move Chad Cole and Stephen Broad at the deadline this year, but injury has gotten in the way for both of them. Yeah, and I, I think that anybody that knows me has is, is heard my my rant on Stephen Broad, which is just basically – you're you're non-tendering him. You're not giving him arbitration. If he would like to come back on a minor league deal, a prove it deal, kind of like Alec Clay Holmes, yeah, I'm totally cool with that. You know, and you know, signing him on a minor league deal, or you know, and inviting him to spring training, seeing that if he can fight for that job, he gets so much. If he actually makes it through spring training this year, which he has in the past two years, I'm kind of cool with that, just because. Like you said, Gary, when he's actually on the mound over the past two years, except for his his last start, um, yeah. I think it was versus Cincinnati this year. Which something uh, probably wasn't right, right? Something now. wasn't right. It didn't look right. He, he couldn't even pitch to his regular spots. He's a solid pitcher, and he's a guy that I've always kind of just wanted to see a slider more. And so, like, I, I wouldn't mind seeing that. I, I've talked with Gary about that on the side, some other people as well. Like, he's actually a, a fairly decent pitcher, just not healthy. Yeah. So, it, not worth 2.2. Oh, everybody always says that the best ability is availability. And and he just hasn't had it. And, and it's a shame because, honestly, he's a guy that seems to enter almost every season out of the rotation and winds up in it. So, obviously, he's doing some things right to have two different coaching staffs treat him the same way. They want him as part of their group. Just isn't able to stay on the mound enough, and it, and it sucks. All right, lightning rod time, everybody. Possible gold glove winner, Kevin Newman, <laughs> at $2.2 million. And I'm going to avoid Jim and even making eye contact with him because I know <laughs> where he's at. But, Craig, I'll start with you. Kevin Newman. Um I'll keep it classy, Gary. I'll keep it classy. (laughs) Well, you'll have your chance. All right. Maybe I won't. Kevin Newman. Man, I I like him. I've always said this. I like him as a player. I like how he approaches the game. I I feel like he's just one of those guys that kind of grits everything out. And I know I probably overuse that just because, I mean, I'm an old school, like, baseball watcher. I, I like those types of players. They're not talking about using the eye test, are you? Come on now. No, but here's the thing is, I mean, it's it all depends on what you're doing with 
Cole Tucker, what you're doing with Wilmer Defoe, what you're doing with O'Neill Cruz and how long you're going to keep him down because we all know he's being kept down for at least a couple weeks, no matter what happens. Um, I feel like Kevin Newman, they have a lot more belief in him. So I would say that they may bring him back for that. I would hope to maybe lowball him on that. Okay. Jim, do you just want to get it out of you? Yeah, let me let me do this. This is the, look. Okay, so first let me say this. I have I have renamed uh, the infield single. I call them Newmans. So that should let you know where I, I, I you know where I stand. But yeah, look, he if he if the Pirates were a contending team. He'd be perfect, man. You could just let him run out, play shortstop, plays it great, super dependable out there, a little light with the bat, gets some hits every once in a while in big situations. I, I could deal with it. Again, I I will say this, and this this I can't even believe I'm saying that my I would shock myself if I had said this earlier. I'd rather them at this point keep Cole Tucker from what I saw at the end and let him play, then I would let Kevin Newman go the rest of the way uh, and, 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 and retain him only because I think Kevin Newman is what Kevin Newman is. I don't see the bat. I mean, I don't just, I just don't see the bat ever playing. So, uh, you know, I'd rather give Cole Tucker that opportunity than Kevin Newman. I'd rather not give anybody anything. I'd rather them earn it, but Smitty, well, let me let me wow you with your twenty six year old head with some some yep. uh, names from the past that you may or may not recognize when I when I talk about Kevin Newman because he's very much so to me either Jack Wilson or Raphael Belliard. You know, Jack Age. Wilson had one real good season and everything else was about defense. Raphael Belliard did nothing but play defense. What is hey, Kevin Jack, Newman? And do Jack you Wilson, uh, former around the 412 guest, by the way, Jack Wilson. Oh, there you go. Uh, no, Kevin Newman can take his gold glove nomination to the sun with him. Uh, uh, he's, I'm, he's not coming back. I'm not going to Smitty. Um, it's Rawlings funny. Like, when Jim, happy about this. Well, a, when Jim, a well-earned gold glove nomination. <laughs> no, yeah, he's fantastic defensively. It's funny. But like when Jim was talking about like him being on a contending team, it was, I was just like, Oh, Clint Barmas was speed. That's Kevin Newman. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm not bringing him back. I just like when we, we're going to talk about some of these 40 man roster spots, like to me, that's where one of these is coming from is Kevin Newman, not coming back. Okay. Um, the last ones here are Wilmer Defoe, which I think directly affects the Kevin Newman decision. And to me, I'm sorry, I'm getting rid of Wilmer Defoe. Uh, I got a lot more control of Kevin Newman, and I'd rather have him around to be my utility guy, worst case scenario. So, Jim, how about you? Wilmer Defoe. Everybody loves his energy. He's a ball of fire in that clubhouse. And boy, did it show up in the win column this year. What do you think they should do with Mr. Defoe? Well, the it's it's funny. Um, uh, every time I think of Wilmer Defoe now, I think of that dropped fly ball at sec- or that dropped pop up at second base. <laughs> <laughs> it was like a walk off pop up. I mean, <laughs> no, I mean he he. Look, I I, I underestimated him a little bit. Um, he actually um, 
surprised me a little bit with his versatility. I would never put him in right field ever, ever again. But uh, it, what 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 are we talking? Maybe a million for him? He if is they... one point one. Okay. So you know, a um, it, it, he's somebody that I could entertain. If it goes one way or the other, I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. I think I'm right there with you. I could care less one way or the other. Yeah. If they're going to go out and sign another middle infielder after they cut him, I'll be kind of like, why did you do that? Man, does that dude take some cuts, though? I will say, <laughs> he, he for, for a guy that is not a big guy, he swings like he's Joey Gallo at the plate. It's it's incredible. Yes, he does. Smitty, what do you think? Wilmer Defoe. I mean, you guys just said the point I was going to say is like, if you're, if you're not bringing back Wilmer Defoe, they're probably going to bring in an, a Wilmer Defoe that's not named Wilmer Defoe. So, like, what's the point of doing that? He's already familiar with his team. They liked him in the clubhouse. Really good as a pinch hitter this past year. So, if you're not bringing him back, you're bringing in another guy that's just has a different name. So, why or not? Or are they making it Cole Tucker? Because yeah, I think Cole awesome. Tucker is still is a borderline 40-man guy. So, to me, okay. I'm not 100% sure that he makes this 26-man roster, I re- let alone the 40-man. And, I mean, Craig, where do you come down on that? Because it, I think that directly reflects what happens with Defoe. I, I think – I'm with you. I think Newman's probably safe. But what do you think? I mean, I've been ready to launch Cole Tucker into the sun since he stepped on the field. I never saw anything from him in the minors. Which yeah, this, is a, this is a man that wrote a story about Cole Tucker's brother getting drafted last, like not last year, but the it year It was before. a backhanded com- compliment. It was so much more glowing about Cole Tucker's brother than him. It was unreal. Cole, Cole, Cole Tucker, here's the thing is I was at the game on Friday night when he made that amazing play in the, in, in the field. I was there when he hit the grand slam. Did I high five my kids and like jump up and down and stuff? Absolutely. Do I think Cole Tucker needs to step on a major league baseball field again? Absolutely not. That's where I stand with him. I'm very stringent on that. Like somebody else that could be their problem. I've just, he never performed anywhere. Kevin Newman, at least to me performed in the minor leagues. Um, So, Wilmer Defoe is the subject, though. What do we think about yeah. Wilmer? <laughs> well, that's that's why I'm launching him in the sun because I'd rather just keep Wilmer Defoe for a year and see what we have. Because Kevin Kevin Newman, I've, I, I'm sorry, yeah, Kevin Newman can stay. Cole Tucker is kind of he's wasting space for me. He honestly is. Yeah. Either way, I think this is the last year we have this discussion. I really do. I, I think they make decisions on these guys. Well, if we play baseball. They make decisions on these guys this year. I, I don't think next year we're going to be going, oh, should should Kevin Newman get arbitration? I think it's going to be a real easy thumbs up or thumbs down. Yeah, Same absolutely. with Cole Tucker if he if he makes the 40-man. And Tifa will be gone one way or another next year, so I could care less about him. And Chris Stratton's an easy thumbs up for everybody. Yep. But let's uh, – Let's talk a little bit about the 40-man now that we've kind of placed some of our pieces here as to who we're taking off and who we might put on, obviously. You have that first wave of guys we were talking about, like Cal Mitchell and Kanan Smith and Jigba. And, you know, to me, like, you got borderline guys like Mason Martin and even Leo Verpaguero is is kind of borderline to me. He's so far away, I'm kind of scared to protect him. But he's borderline top 100 MLB player. 
it's a weird thing to leave unprotected. But, Craig, we've talked about this a lot. How do you protect somebody that you know is a good two years away from MLB? It's real tough. I mean, I think you have to be, you know, kind of selective with that. I I looked across the the forty man rosters and guys that were protected like that low, they were of the pedigree of like a, a Pagaro who he, he didn't do anything this year to to leave himself unprotected. Like he had a good year. Did he have a great year? I mean, not really. It was it was, but it wasn't for his age level and for where he played. I'm kind of coming around on this that that I think that he's a type of guy that if you're getting rid of a Newman or a somebody else that you know you may have those immediate answers for or somebody to plug in yeah. who's already on the 40 man, you know, like a Cole Tucker or whoever it would be or a Defoe if you keep him. I, I could see that spot being given up for this year. You know, just kind of how it was given up for Rodolfo Castro. Just to kind of see how he performed. I'm with you on that. But, man, he he did not step up in the field this year. He was not a very good shortstop. I mean, and I know at, at, at young ages that, that stuff takes a while. But, boy, it's tough for me to put him on the 40-man without thinking. It really is. I mean, Smitty – you probably you're, you're even smirking the whole time. Like, come on, you have no, to. No, because right? <laughs> well, yeah. Well, while we're we're having this discussion, it's making me think back to something you brought up earlier. You know, the great point that you said about guys on the forty man roster, they're not going to be able. He's not, he's not going to be able to do those things working on his defense, right? So that's that. It is tough, but yeah, I have him being protected, uh, even though he is a couple years away from being a major league ball player. That's another scary thing about the the, the, the lockout potentially is yeah. that shortens the amount of time you got to hide a guy, right? I mean, so I don't know. It makes it a little more scary to leave somebody like that unprotected. But, mm-hmm. I mean, we shouldn't pretend that that's all they have unprotected. It's a very real possibility somebody like Matt Frazier goes unprotected, right? Next year even, if he doesn't make a, make the, the similar kind of jump he did this year. There's a lot of decisions like that. Mason Martin is probably the most interesting to me because I think on one hand, from positional depth, they almost have to protect him. They don't have a lot of first basemen on you know, on the way up. So if you don't protect him and he gets snapped up, oh boy, there's nothing. There's nothing in the pipeline. I mean, you you got third baseman you could shift over there. There's outfielders you could shift over there. Um, you know, you'll find somebody to play. But this team, think about our first base history. Go back in the first baseman history of this team. Kevin Young is the last actual good first baseman you can find that played for the Pittsburgh Pirates that came up through this system. Justin Morneau, they brought in like for the playoffs. But seriously, <laughs> think about that. That's the value of somebody that can play first base in this league. So what do you do, Jim? I mean, like, I don't think he's earned protection, but I don't know how you don't. I wouldn't protect him. I'll just say that. I I, I think um, for me, I think that 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 K rate is so high. I just do not envision that being something that's going to work out when he steps up and has to hit hit major league pitching. Um, I think – the examples of it are few and far between. Um, if that means I've got to address it in the draft at first base, 
I do that. If I have to deal from a position of strength down the road um, and get someone that's more majorly, you know, capable um, from a free agency standpoint, I would do that. I just, for me, um, I have a hard time believing that he's going to make that jump and those numbers are going to get appreciably better to the point where I'm comfortable um, saying that he's going to succeed. See, they did look like they were trending in the right direction there for a while, and then he really kind of went into a little bit of a tailspin towards the end. But you heard it here first from Mr. Jim Stamm, Henry Davis, future first baseman of the Pittsburgh Pirates. <laughs> <laughs> ah, now we're on to something. So, Craig, I mean, Mason Martin, polarizing figure. You have a lot of people, not unlike Jim, that quote those, case, those K rates, and they worry about them a lot. I do, too. Um and I don't Where hate the at? guy. I mean, no, no, so no. it's not about to, hating to be, the guy. To be clear, I mean, with the, the the organization desperately needs the power. I mean, desperately needs it. But, anyways, go ahead, Craig. Yeah, see, I think that's where we kind of get wrapped up in it is like not having a lot of power bats within the system and realizing that there's ways to get that outside of the system. Like, I feel like first base is a position that could be filled a lot easier externally than internally um, once you actually become competitive. Um, you would I think for a lot of teams, yes, not this one. No, but I, th- I think you would be able to use at least – you would be able to fill in at least with either a trade with our hopeful collateral from the minor leagues to get somebody. I feel like you could get somebody who can actually play the position fairly well – that has a decent amount of power, that's a little bit older uh, to fill that in. So for me, like it hasn't happened within this organization and I I don't want to use history to try to, you know, make those types of decisions. I understand that, but I also, I mean, I hate to say Mason Martin had similar numbers to Will Craig at double a, like they are almost like identical but yet he's a guy who played good defense and may have fallen off and may have not had like that raw potential right? where we're getting kind of infatuated with a guy that can hit a billion yard home run, but does it so infrequently based on everything else that he does. I, I understand the game's in power, but, and this, like I said, this is Jim saying is, Gary, you know this. My first article I ever wrote on a prospect was Mason Martin. Right. Like I love this kid, and I want yeah, nothing but. This but isn't I just, about. This isn't about like, hey, do we think this guy's gonna make it or sucks at life? This is about like, does he warrant being on the forty man this year? This year, absolutely not. This isn't trying to determine whether this guy is ever going to be a major league player. This is, do we this, think he warrants being protected? And right now, I look at this roster and the way it's constructed. In the depth chart, I don't see anybody coming that's going to play first base. Mm-mm. And I don't want to waste somebody over there. Like, I don't want to stick Odeo Cruz over there just because he's tall and say, play first base. I want I want somebody that, that actually has learned how to play it. And, and Smitty, I mean, Mason Martin, I think a lot of people, you know, that, that follow the Pirates from afar or the prospects on Twitter, they're they basically saw the rapid fire almost every day. Here's a here's another Mason Martin home run. Oh, look out, roller coaster! But 
maybe they stopped paying attention towards the end of the year when, you know, he really cooled off. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, that goes back to that common fan thing, right? You get caught up in the in the highlight reel stuff that you see on Twitter and not really paying attention, especially like you said, with him cooling off at the end of the year. I don't think that the production necessarily warrants a 40-man spot, but I think he's going to get one just because of all the reasons we're talking about with the lack of depth in the organization at that position. Uh, are we talking – are the Pirates with first baseman, the Steelers with drafting corners? Is that what we're talking about here? <laughs> is, that the par- yeah. is that the parallel that we can draw? Yeah. Uh, no, but a I, ways. I, I don't think that the production – should give him a 40-man roster spot, but I think he's going to get one. I mean, it's it's a little bit of a different animal, not that you don't know this, but just to make sure fans do it. You know, yeah. very rarely will you see a first baseman drafted. It just doesn't happen very often. Most of the time, right. you're getting short stops or center fielders or catchers or pitchers, and that's usually where, where everybody plays. Every once in a while, you'll get a third base specialist, but for the most part, it's right down the middle. Best athletes play the best spots. That's that's just really how baseball works. But um, you know, even Will Craig was drafted as third baseman. So yeah. it's just it's just the way it is. The forty man is going to be nebulous this year, and I, I think it's going to be a mess. Um, I think we're gonna we're gonna expose some players we don't want to expose, and I th- I mentioned the few that I was most concerned about. I, I think they'll do the right thing for the most part everywhere else. Um, is there anybody that either of you three were really concerned about that I didn't mention? Um, I don't know we about know, so much. We know Cole Tucker's not one of them. <laughs> I don't know about so much concerned about, but one that like is really intriguing to me is a guy like Cody Bolton. Like, what do you do with a guy like that? Yeah, coming off that injury, like, right? It's. It's weird because, you know, you have like we we just picked up in the Roll 5 draft last year, Jose Soriano, right? Same kind of situation, like coming off of an injury. You don't really know. What do you do there? He's still ranked like the 10th prospect, right, Craig? Yeah, it's. I mean, he's, he's still – I mean, he's been dropping a little bit, but he's still, you know, pretty highly regarded. And it's, it's a non-arm injury. I mean, it was a knee injury. So, I mean, I think that plays into it to a degree as well. Yeah, that's um, a really big distinction. That's a tough protect, though. It is. That really is, because you're giving up something else to protect him. And, boy, he better be raring and ready to go, right? I mean, like, he because he was supposed to make it this year. He was supposed to be Max Kranich this year, really. Yeah. If you really think about it. So, I guess you protect him because he really could be a factor. But that injury status scares me. I don't know. Boy, I, I hate to I hate to miss out on some pitching, you know. Especially, um, you know, Gary, we've talked about this ad nauseum about the arms, right? And are 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 the arms going to be there for when the bats are there? And um, he's a guy that boy, I'd hate to leave unprotected. And all of a sudden, you realize, oh man, he's healthy and he's actually looking like he can fulfill some of that promise yeah. Boy, that that one would sting a little bit given given the shape of uh, where we are hitting and pitching wise organizationally yeah you figure like if you've kind of got three guys that are profiling pretty good like Rowanzi and and Yehure, who you know Yehure, I, I'm, I'm kind of up in the air on a little bit and uh Bolton I mean, the rotation starts to look a little bit prettier, doesn't it? I mean, like, and a little bit faster than some of us thought. But Bolton's kind of out of sight, out of mind. And I think if you left him unprotected, that's what you'd be hoping the league thinks. I 
I think I think they'd lose him. I think I think they would too. I think you're right. I think pitching's just you know teams teams are always scouring for pitching, you know, and so um, I don't think he I don't think he makes it through that. What about Diego Castillo? Because that's the other really interesting one, and that, and that one's got a little extra element that Craig will probably explain pretty well here. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Diego Castillo. I'm lazy, Craig. Take over. Go yeah, Diego <laughs> Castillo. He's he's a guy that's gonna. He's actually an eligible uh, free agent in the minor leagues because of the number, the amount of time he's put in there. Um, so he's somebody that kind of falls into the category of within five days after the World Series, he either has to be added to the forty man or offered a minor league contract. Um, so that's like a kind of a little wrinkle and everything because he's somebody you have to make a decision on a lot quicker than you would with other players that you're looking to protect from the rule five. Uh, The pirates seem to like him. You know, obviously they went and got him. He got moved up to triple a pretty quickly. Uh, I feel like he's a guy that's almost like, I feel like they're going to protect him. I would like to protect him. I think they have to. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that kind of like, puts that kind of stuff in there. And like with a Co- Cody Bolton, man, I, I love that guy. And I mean, why do you have to injure your knee brother? Like that's all I'm going to ask <laughs> him is like, it's, it's a tough decision wait. with Castillo because like, we're talking you know, Smitty or Bolton. I'm not, I got confused there for a second. Same person. Same, oh, okay. same, he, same person. Just, just different time. <laughs> same, we were just alternate talking universe. About, but we were just talking about the the mess already with with the middle infield and, and Newman. Maybe maybe you start adding in somebody like Diego Castillo and and O'Neill Cruz, and maybe you do start thinking about maybe it is time to move on from from a Newman or a Tucker and and really go full youth movement. So they do have some options here with the forty man that might be unconventional. I just personally think the team likes Kevin Newman a hell of a lot more than a lot of the fan base does. I don't see them moving on from him. I really don't. Um, I, I, if I felt differently, I would say it. I just don't. I think I think the team is going to definitely bring him back. But the only other 40-man consideration I really have is um, somebody like Omar Cruz. You know, he's a guy they just dealt for, a lefty, big lefty in Altoona. And, you know, good pitcher. He's a starter. I'm worried about him, but. There's other guys too, like Travis McGregor is somebody that people could pick up. There's Aaron Shortridge, you know, I, I think a lot of guys would be interested in. You can carry a reliever as a roll five pickup a heck of a lot easier than a starter. And I, I do think some of those guys are vulnerable and I also think they're probably not gonna warrant getting covered. Yeah, and I think the issue here is that it's how the team would cover them. Because I mean I know that you know, we had Oviedo who was, you know, he's good. He, they want him to be a starter. But if you have to cover a guy in a relief spot for a year, I, I think it's what it comes down to is what Jim was talking about before, which is just protecting pitching. Like, who do you see? Yeah. Even though Omar Cruz projects as a starter right now, will he project as a starter forever? So, it's almost like you it's a very tough decision for them as to looking at the talent level, looking at the ceiling, looking at, you know, their projectability and trying to make those decisions based on that. Um, Gary, you know, I'm a, I'm an Omar Cruz guy, Yeah. you know, since he's been brought over and, he, and even a little bit before that, 
He's the I, other Cruz. Yeah, just because of just his stature on the mound. Like the guy doesn't get rattled. He, he he's got good pretty stuff. Impressive. Pretty impressive stuff. I mean, so that's where you're saying like, and, and something that I have been concerned about and that we've had conversations about back and forth a lot is that like, this is going to be the first time this comes up with, with the rule five stuff. There's going to be a lot of guys that need protected next year. And there's a lot of guys we're going to risk this year, but you also have to, you know, not live in the fears as Mike Tomlin would say, and, <laughs> and, and say we we're comfortable in our decisions that we're making and also realizing that even in a year where a lot of guys are selected in the rule five to play in the major leagues, they come back. They, yeah. they either come back or you had, I think, maybe 18 people selected last year from all major league teams. Yeah. So it's looking at those numbers and trying to figure out, is this somebody somebody could keep? Is this somebody somebody would realistically pick? And is this somebody who could maintain on a major league roster for the you know select amount of time? All right. And Jim and Smitty, I'm going to give you one last shot here because – the funny thing is that a lot of people aren't looking as far ahead as I am. You think this is bad. Wait until 2023 when they actually have a pretty good team on the field and have the same exact Roll 5 problem, if not worse. Look at the future projections. It's little worse than this, realistically. <laughs> I mean, think about that for five seconds. It's going to be some fun talk in a couple years. Gary, I told you earlier that you had ruined my day. Now you're ruining tomorrow already for me. <laughs> you're well, two, two years, years now, anyway. Smitty, Smitty 2023 is ruined. <laughs> Just think about it. You'll be you'll be damn near thirty. Drowning your sorrows and Bud Light Ultras, and probably gonna need my other knee worked on at that point. Yeah. It's all downhill from here, buddy. Yeah. No. I, I'll let me just say this that I, I do. I tend to look at it though in a little bit of a different light is, I mean, these are good problems to have. Um, you know, if you're struggling to fill out a 40 man and, and protect guys and you don't have many tough decisions to make um, that ne- not necessarily a good thing. And look, we shouldn't be too surprised here because you know, when you look at how Sherrington wants to build this thing, he's really trying to stockpile as many prospects as he can at a lot of different positions. You know, you're trying to um, offset the miss rate in baseball with prospects. Right. And so this is this is a good thing in a way because and it shouldn't surprise us because that means they are stockpiling things and um you know, it could be, it could be a lot worse. Yeah. You're insulating yourself from failure of prospects and at the same time, insulating yourself from the loss of a few, because it's probably going to happen. And that's that's really all there is to it. Um, You know, like next year it'll be G1 Bay. Everyone's talking about, you know, and if he hasn't progressed, then whoops, so be it. But Hey guys, very, very good show. Very long show. Very informative show. Let's go ahead and wrap (laughs) it up here. And uh, let Craig get back to his kids and relieve the babysitter and everything. Craig, how do people get a hold of you, sir? Um, please follow me on uh, on Twitter at Bucks Basement. I'm going to be not doing too much on Facebook. 
going is it forward. still called Facebook? What's it called now? It, it's called it's called uh, Meta, it's called Meta World Peace. There They're renaming themselves or whatever it is now. But yeah, so uh, I, I'll try to relieve myself from there. You'll still see our articles on there, uh, but also read at Inside the Box Basement. All right. Well, if you see Craig relieving himself on Facebook, don't look. <laughs> Smitty. Oh, man. Smitty, <laughs> Smitty you have, uh, our, I think, um, one of the best well-rounded podcasts in the city uh, around the 412. You and Tyler, I really love it. So on every Monday at 2, um, be sure to check it out if you don't already. I, I'm highly going to doubt that I'm giving him fans. But if you listen <laughs> to this show and haven't listened to that, please do. It's it's really good. Good baseball talk every once in a while. Every once in a while. Really good hockey talk and really good football talk. So anything else, any other way you want them to get a hold of you or you want to tell them about all your charities would, and stuff? I would not advise following myself on Twitter. Uh, if you wanted to do that, Zachary Smith 412, but I would not if I was anybody watching or listening to this. Uh, you can follow the account, though, at around the 412 for all our stuff. And the only thing that I really like to plug is our rocking around the 412 mission, uh, which is our Christmas mission every year. This is year four of doing it. We've raised over $10,000 in the last three years doing so. Every single penny that is donated goes directly to providing Christmas in its entirety to the families in our areas that goes for gifts for all the kids we get a gift card at the end of it with the remaining money to go for and get groceries to provide that holiday meal so when i say christmas in its entirety i mean christmas in its entirety to families in our area it's our pinned tweet on twitter it'll take you right to the GoFundMe link and you can read the mission there that's good stuff and if you guys are watching the news it's a great year for that a lot of people are going to need it that maybe didn't before so really think about helping out there and jim how's everybody get a hold of you friend yeah well uh, also to Smee, man, that's awesome. I didn't know that you guys had that kind of um, impact on that. I mean, I'd obviously seen you guys, you know, putting the word out and whatnot, but to, to hear those numbers, that's really cool. And like Gary said, man, you guys, you guys are on social media and you're watching the news and this is going to be a rough uh, holiday season for people. So good job, dude. Yeah, um um, but yeah, so uh, Twitter all the time. It's uh, at JimStam22 or for the city underscore 412. And uh, man, I'm all Pittsburgh all the time. So Steelers, Pitt, Pirates, Penguins. And um, yeah, guys, this was, hey, look, this was super thorough. I enjoyed it. And um, I think people that tune in will too. Yeah, good stuff, guys. And uh, follow me on Twitter, GaryMO2007. Follow the show at Pirates Fan Forum on Twitter. And I guess if you need to follow me on Meta, I'm there. <laughs> and I'll be there. <laughs> but, but I may not be happy about it. And uh, one last thing people have been asking, who is that sweet little child at the end of our show saying, let's go Bucks? And it is Jim Stam's son, Ben. So uh, at this point, that's how I'm going to end the show. I'm going to throw it to you, Ben. Yes, yes, Bucks!